Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Imagine stepping inside your childhood home 50 years after you had last left it and finding it almost completely unchanged. This was a surreal experience Paul McCartney had when he took part in the now famous Carpool Karaoke episode, YouTube's most viewed video of 2018 in the UK. He tells us all about it in this exclusive interview. I'm Laura Davis. And I'm Ellen Kerwin. And this is Beatles City. If you enjoy the podcast and want to help us grow and reach more Beatles fans, make sure you rate, review and subscribe to the Beatles City podcast. We are really excited to have bagged Paul McCartney for the final episode of the podcast. So, Laura, what was it like to interview him? Well, it was great. I mean, he's obviously been interviewed millions of times before, so he's completely unfazed, very friendly. He seemed really pleased to be speaking about Liverpool. He's been back in the city quite a few times this year for musical reasons. I think he's a regular visitor anyway because he has family here. So he was telling us all about that and he was telling us about what it was like to actually step inside his house, which I think was quite emotional for him. And I'm not sure how much of that comes across in carpool karaoke but when he's reflecting on it later he said that he could sort of imagine his dad there and things so yeah really quite emotional he also went to the philharmonic pub as part of the episode and we managed to speak to some of the staff there well you managed to speak to some of the staff there what was it like to speak to them they were really excited by it i mean it's it is one of liverpool's most beautiful pubs it's been there since the victorian times um it's very famous in its own right and some fascinating things must have happened between those walls but this is definitely going to be one of the you know the most historic moments and it's very hard to tell from watching it you know people have said that they think a lot of the crowd were actors but actually they weren't and genuinely they didn't know what was happening they knew they were there for something exciting but it was only when that curtain pulled back that they discovered it was McCartney and his band and even some of the people working in the pub didn't know until that moment even now months on you can really feel how exciting it must have been for them. Hello. Hi, Paul. Thank you so much for sparing the time. You're in Vienna at the moment. I no, I'm in London. Oh, I you're was back. I was in I was in Poland last night. Oh, okay. You know, like you do. So you flew back today then? I flew back last night actually after the concert, yeah. We're expecting you back in Liverpool next week. Yeah. It feels like you've been back here a lot lately. Yeah, well, you know, I try and I try and get back up. I get back uh, quite a bit for Lippa. Um you know, which is a great place. And I love it. I love the spirit there. And actually, the great thing is I've got three horn players who are in the, the current show, and two of them are actual Lipper guys. Oh, that's brilliant. So it is amazing. You know, it's like a real payoff for uh, the college. You know, it's like I never expected to work with some of the students, you know, so it's great. Yeah. And they're really good, you know, so uh, that's going to be great. Yeah, that's really exciting for them. Yeah. I mean, Lippa seems to be, you, you turn up every, every year for the graduation and you're there other times as well. How important is yeah. it to you to be encouraging the next generation? Well, 
you know, several generations. It's been going a while now, hasn't it? Yeah, it's great. You know, you know the story was originally I was up on a visit and just showing a friend of mine the old haunts and stuff and saying there's a school I went to and uh, I thought well, we should just knock on the door and see if you know there's anyone in there and there was just a caretaker who came to the door and I managed to persuade him to let me have a look around and it was in such a sort of derelict state that it was kind of shocking you know it was like oh my god what's happened you know yeah. And it was at a time when Liverpool wasn't going through a great period. So I started to try and do something. You know, we I got together with Mark Featherstone Whitty and uh, we, we, we've kind of, you know, rebuilt the building and made it the performing arts school and stuff. So, yeah, so that's lovely. You know, I really love that, that it's been a success story. And the only people whose arms we have to twist are like the people who are responsible for British education. It's the weirdest thing. You know, you get people from all over supporting it and thinking it's a great institution, you know. People are always cutting your budgets and stuff. You know, it's, anyway, that's, that's, you know, I never realized that's how that world goes. But it goes, it's great. You know, and I say we have fantastic students. And, uh, yeah, I love to get up for graduation it's so it's so hopeful, you know. You see all, all these young kids about to go out into the world, and to to know that we've given them some kind of start on the, on their career mm. is uh, is really great. You know, it's uh, very uh, chuffable. A word Ken Dodd would have used, yeah, if he'd have thought of it. <laughs> yeah, he would. <laughs> so do you, are you exhausted afterwards? You obviously have to you shake everybody's hand, don't you? Every single student's hand. Oh, yeah, it is crazy, yeah. I mean, I just do it because I just want to, you know, it's funny, actually, it's hilarious. One of our horn players, so I'm talking to the guys who went to Lippa and we're just having a drink on the tour, you know, and I was socialising now, you know. I'm saying, oh, yes. He said, you know what? He said, he said, I, he said, I committed a terrible sort of faux pas. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you know when you shake the hands and we have the photo taken? I said, yeah. He said, well, for some reason, I ended up, or you ended up shaking just my finger. <laughs> I, I said, what are you talking about? So he pulls out this photo on his phone of him graduating, and you can see it clearly. I'm shaking just his finger. Oh. So so we have a laugh about that. But yeah, um, it, it is one of those things that you think as you're doing it. You know, the most difficult thing is to try and think of something meaningful to say to the kids because you want to try and make it count, you know. But hey, I love it. It's, it's always something that I, I love to do just because of the, the great energy and the hopefulness, yeah. you know. And these days, I think we need a lot of that. Yeah, we certainly do. So was there anyone who said something, who gave you a piece of advice, that, that the sort of thing that you want to pass on to those younger musicians? One of the reasons I loved my old school um, was I had this one favourite teacher. And it's not like he gave me advice, but he, he, he turned me on to uh, uh, literature, English literature, which was, turned out to be the only thing at school, you know, I did vaguely well at. 
you know, because he was very good. He just explained it well, and instead of it being a very dusty, old, uh, dry subject, he made it kind of fun. So, yeah, so I read, you know, a bit of Shakespeare and a bit of, you know, all the sort of Hardy and poets and Keats and Milton and all these people. Mm. Uh, so I got a, I got quite a good exposure because he was such a turn on. And so whenever anyone asks me about advice, you know, I always say, to thine own self be true. So that is, if I'm ever asked to give anyone advice, and that's, I always think that's great. And that was like from Shakespeare, you know, from Hamlet. Yeah. Um, so I always think of him when I think of that. He was a great old guy called Alan Durbin. Dusty Durbin, we used to call him. <laughs> and do you feel that you've lived by that? I try to, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, in uh, in music, you know, in the Beatles, it was always a good idea to try and be truthful and try and make music that you liked. So, you know, I suppose there we were being true to ourselves. I think it is important, really, if you can manage it. A few things yeah. you've been back for, obviously, Lipper, but also um, carpool karaoke, which looked like that was an awful lot of fun. Yeah, that was brilliant. I mean, I like James anyway. You know, he's a, he's a great guy. And uh, I nearly didn't do it because what with one thing and another, it was all getting a bit much. And I, I sort of rang up and sort of said, hey, you know, I don't think... I don't think I can do this, you know, I haven't got time and all that. And James got back to me, he said, oh, no, you know, do you got to, got to do it. He said, give us, you know, give us something, got to do it. <laughs> but it was panicking. It was due to it. So, yeah, so I ended up doing it. And I, the minute I got in that car, I loved it, you know. Yeah, you can really, you can really tell. It was great. I'll tell you what, I mean, everywhere I go in the world, you know, be like an airport in America or somewhere, Someone come up to me, oh, you know, I love that thing you did with that English guy. <laughs> but uh, it, it was really great. It was lovely to do. And I say, I think James was very important because he managed it very well. You know, and I'd never been to uh, inside Fortland Road, yeah, my old my old home, since I left there. You know, and since it became a national trust place, mm. and I'd never been inside. And he said, oh, we want to go inside. So, you know, it turned out to be perfect excuse uh, for me to go back in. I'd always felt it might be a little bit, I don't know, it might just be a bit creepy. But actually, when I got in there, I was loving it. You know, I was yeah. oh, giving all, you know, I could have stayed in there hours. The funniest bit was, though, I don't think it ever came out in the film, was the lady who looked after it, like, the, you know, what do they call a curator or something. Yeah. Um, she was showing us around and... And then when we were leaving, she she asked us to pay. Uh, <laughs> and I said, what? You're kidding. She said, no, it's not, I forget what it was. It was like a fiver or something each. We're going, well, I said, this is my old bloody house. You know, <laughs> she said, well, still, I said, who's this go to? And I, we were thinking, oh, okay, go on. Thought it might might have gone to her. She said, no, National Trust. I said, oh, all right, go oh, on then. Good cause. So that was funny. So the, <laughs> both of us forked up. Five quid each, or whatever it was. I suppose for most people, if they went back to their old house, it would have it would have moved on. But they've obviously yeah. tried to take that back to when you were living there. Was what was it like stepping inside? Well, it was it was great actually because you know I thought about it many times over the years and talked to people about it. Said you know we used to live in this little house and so I have so many memories that actually going back in it 
was it was kind of magical, you know, because it, suddenly it wasn't remembering it; it was being in it, mm. and um, you know, the, there it was. I could see my dad sort of sitting there, you know, with his pipe, watching the telly and uh, playing the piano and stuff. And I could, in the back room where we went in, me and James, I could see me and John writing songs in there, me and George practicing and stuff. Mm. And in the little kitchen, you know, I remember cooking there for the evening meal, you know, because I was like first home from school. So my dad used to come into the cavern and he'd give me like half a pound of sausages or whatever it was. <laughs> and he'd, he'd say, yeah, you know, and I'd take it home and I'd to cook that so he'd be ready for when he came home. So, you know, all those little memories and then a the little bedroom, I remember, you know, with my guitar practicing. And then and the other thing did get in there, in the toilet, oh, yeah. which was the best acoustics in the house. You know, our kid always used to say, God, you sat in there for hours, you know. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so it was lovely. I, I really liked it, you know, and uh, you could tell, you know, and it was amazing because then suddenly a little crowd had gathered. I don't know how they found out, but somehow. So that was really nice, you know, and James was very chuffed by that. And yeah. It was nice, and I was I was chuffed because, you know, the good good old Liverpool people, you know, love you, Paul. <laughs> that was great, you know. It was really, really nice. You know, I, I love the old city, you know, it's... Uh, a lot of great memories for me. So, yeah. And I've still got quite a bit of family up there, you know. Do you miss being able to walk around the city without everybody knowing who you are? Not really. People do recognise me. I'm, you know, I always think if I stick a hat and, uh, on uh, or sunglasses, I'm not going to recognise. But I do get a bit recognised. But I mean, mainly I'm in a car, so it's only when you're at the traffic lights so you look across and somebody goes, "Whoa." So you wind down, you roll down the windows and stuff and then sort of say, hey, what are you doing? Where are you off to? You know, oh. They'll tell us, you know, they'll tell us where they're going, going off to a job or something. But uh, I value my roots. I was very lucky, you know, because my family was a really good family. I was just talking to someone today, you know, I always thought, well, everyone's got good families because all my uncles and aunts and cousins all seem to come from nice families, you know, all mm. seem to get on well and our family parties were always great and were beautiful memories. So I always thought everyone had those kind of families. But it was only later on that I realized it's not true. You know, someone like John was very unlucky because his dad left home when John was three years old. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it made me value my family and the people I came from, you know, and the, and the town I came from. So, uh, it's always left me with, uh, you know, great feelings for the place. That's wonderful that you still feel that way about the city. I love it. You know, it's, uh, it's uh, the people there are totally crazy, but then so am I. <laughs> so, so we're okay. You're and one of the things is what's going to be nice is with the tour, we've been to sort of Japan and we've been to, you know, Paris, Copenhagen, Poland, uh, all of these places. With with this tour, uh, Austin, Texas, and everywhere, you know. But they always say to my promoter, it'd be great. I love the idea of bringing it home. Yeah. You know, so that's going to be lovely, bringing it back to Liverpool. And uh, especially with two of the horn players being Lippa students. So yeah, we've got fair. a lot going. So we're looking forward to it. You know, it's going to be great. Would you mind if I asked very quickly about what it was like returning to the cavern? Uh, it's lovely, you know. I mean, my little pet grouse is that it's not where the cavern was. 
But I, you know, you don't. I don't want to get petty. You know what the truth is? I always want them. I figure if you can do an archaeological exploration of the pyramids, you surely can do one of the cavern. Yeah. I want them to. I want them to dig it up and take all the landfill out of the old cavern and expose that for what it was. I don't even know if it's still there. But anyway, you know, that, so that would be my long-term goal. So one of these days, you never know, somebody may say, yeah, it's worth it, you know. I don't even know if it's possible, but, you know, this might... I'm always saying to people, oh, I wish they could do that, you know, yeah. uncover the original one, bring that back yeah. to how it was. But anyway, the, so the nearest thing is is the one that we have now, and that's great. That's great, too. You know, it's just not the real one. So when someone like me is going back to the cavern, I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, well, not quite. It's, not the, it's not the cavern, but it's a nice venue on the site of very near where the cavern was kind of thing, you know. Yeah. So it's great. I mean, the atmosphere is great. And, uh, you know, the audience is always great. You know, you've always got a few wags up front, you know. Right, Paul. All right, mate. How you doing, my cat? <laughs> so it was great it was a great atmosphere you know it was lovely to play there I like playing small clubs anyway and obviously if you're playing a small club then Cavern for me is the mecca you know yeah absolutely and it, did it did it take you back did it feel like those days at all a little bit but you know if you talk about those days I'm imagining a long tunnel the, the, the actual with the arches and the little stage at the end of it all and now it's more like a proper little club gig. You know, it's not the same shape as the old one used to be. So, you know, it takes me back because I'm in Liverpool. I'm with the mates. I'm playing to a Liverpool audience. And I'm, you know, down under the ground in a cavern. So, yeah, it does take me back. But I wish I'd be able to say, yeah, totally, totally. But I can't say totally because it's not the real place. But I say I don't want to I don't want to start moaning about that. Okay. It was a great gig. We had a lovely gig and the audience was fantastic. The band loved it. We all loved playing there. So, you know, it was it was cool. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much, Paul. It's been really interesting talking to you. Um, all right. Darling. What are you time. doing tonight then? Next week, go. I've got um, a certain date at the Acker Arena, so I'm looking forward to, to seeing you perform there. Whoa. Great. Well, have, a good, have a good one this evening. <laughs> oh, thank you. Take and care. And remember, tell, tell everyone, no alcohol. No alcohol. Good advice. And I'm sure you'll stick to that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, anyway, have a drink on me. Thanks. Take care now. See you then. Bye. Bye-bye. I'm here in the Philharmonic pub in Liverpool with Gareth Williams, who's the area manager for Nicholson's, and Lisa Tyra, who's front of house. You had a very special guest here in the summer, Paul McCartney. Can you tell us how all that came about? Um, We had a phone call from a location scout beginning of June, about the week before the programme got recorded, and the they asked if they could use um, the Philharmonic for a private event. At that time, we didn't know what it was, and we eventually found out it was for Paul McCartney Carpool Karaoke, so obviously we said yes, and that's what it came about. Was there much you had to do to prepare? Not really. It was more, um, we just had to make sure the pub was closed on the Saturday, uh, and we obviously, because it was it was very low-key, as much as we could, we, we weren't really allowed to tell anybody, so we had to keep everything under our hats, which was quite difficult, to be honest with you, when you knew that was essentially going to happen. And what were people's reaction when they came in? So the, the people that were here didn't know it would be McCartney. 
The crowd that you see uh, on the programme, they were in a, in a ballot the night before from the Liverpool Echo. Um, they were told there was going to be a secret gig the next day, but they didn't know who it was. And um, they were kept in the, the restaurant next door till about, it was about three o'clock in the afternoon, I think. And then they were, slowly came into the room where McCartney was playing and obviously they were quite excited when they came in because they didn't know really what was going on. Did they have to bring a lot of equipment to do the gig? Yeah, the, the, the pub was the pub was chocker of, of uh, technical equipment. It was really interesting to see because it was wall to wall with high tech gear, which I've, I've never seen before, to be honest. Yeah, and you, you rigged up, a, there was a curtain, wasn't there? In, in yeah, the so there was a temporary stage built in the Grand Lounge, which is the big room to the right as you come in. And they put a temporary bar in as well on a jukebox, which was part of the part of the programme and the idea behind the, the gig and how it worked out. Um, so obviously when the crowd came in, the, the Paul McCartney's band was behind the curtain, so they didn't know what was going on. And then as you saw it on the programme, that's, that's how it happened. So somebody came in, put a song on the jukebox, and then obviously Hard Day's Night kicks in and the curtain opened, and everybody's a little bit surprised. I think there's been a few people think it was all actors, but it wasn't, it was genuine, genuine surprise in the programme. So you, people think that the, that the crowd were actors, but they were real yeah, people who did. There's been some feedback on, on some social media reviews saying oh, you know, some of them are act- clearly actors, but they, they generally weren't actors. I'm not sure you could fake it. They looked like they were having an amazing time. No, no. There was um, one old lady on it you see at the very start of the, the song, and she was, you know, she was obviously loving it. And I saw her at the bar, I think about half an hour in, and she was covered because it was really hot in there. She's actually soaked in sweat, and it was really hot. But yeah, she was, yeah, she was absolutely yeah. loving it. And you see it on the program, just the genuine shock and surprise by it. And how did it feel for you? Were you a Beatles fan? Yeah, well, obviously I wasn't around when the Beatles were around, but obviously brought up listening to the Beatles from my parents. So I've, I've grew up with you know the music in the 80s and 90s, which heavily influenced by. Paul McCartney and the Beatles and you know listen to Paul McCartney is it's wing stuff and it's solo stuff but yeah I've listened to the Beatles a lot you know got all the records and things so it was you know it was a real kind of surreal experience to see Paul McCartney walk through the pub to, to do a gig to be honest. Lisa so you were actually behind the bar weren't you, you were da- dancing with James Corden on the on the clip what was he like? Oh he was lovely he was really nice I mean he was very professional didn't get to like speak to him loads but no he was, it was really like professional it was just when he first walked in, and I obviously didn't know what it was going to be, and um, he walked in, just introduced himself, the nerves, my knees were knocking onto the bar, was trying to keep composed and all that, but it was really, it was really nice, very friendly. You knew something was going on, but you didn't know it was James Corden, and you didn't know it was Paul McCartney till the, till the curtain opened, did you? I knew something was going on because I was in work on the Friday, and that's when the production he was setting up on the Friday. Still didn't know what it was for, and then on the Saturday morning, I got a phone call on the Friday saying they were filming. Do you want to come in and watch? And so come in on the Saturday morning, and then it literally said, "Oh, you're going to be the one behind the bar," and then it's not until literally what you see on the TV is what I'm seeing at the same time I never got a heads up nothing so when the door opened and James Corden walked in that's the first time I got to oh right okay Carpool Karaoke and then the curtains Paul McCartney the second it happened is when I found out what it was going to be no. <laughs> Did you realise it was him immediately? Or? Yeah, I knew it was straight away. But I just, I think it was just all so much was going on. People with the crowd and the filming and like the cameras and everything, and so much was going on. It was just, it was all happening too quick for me to take in. And then it's not until afterwards 
that's when it hit me then. And then it still hit me now where we've getting the customers, the guests coming in and they're saying, oh, and it's mainly like Americans and Chinese people, the big Beatles fans. And I'm thinking, God, yeah, I was the one behind the bar. It's still hitting me now. Do you know what I mean? And people going, I recognise you off the, off the carpool. And like, yeah, that was me. <laughs> it's the most viewed YouTube video last year. So you are famous. <laughs> I'm getting some of the guests as well. I saying, can we get your autograph? And I'm thinking, no, this is like a little April's field. They winds me up and go, no, seriously, you do actually realise how famous in America and Australia and that. And they get me to sign menus and everything. I'm thinking, best start charging for this now, hadn't I? <laughs> <laughs> and were you a Beatles fan? To be honest, not really. Not, not a big Beatles fan, or, but now, after watching Paul McCartney, Abby played, I appreciate him now as like an artist, as a singer and all, because it was just amazing, wasn't it? Because Annette was there as well. It was just amazing the way he just wanted to draw the... Because I've been to concerts in the past and you can tell they're going on, doing the job and then going home. But Paul McCartney was literally there. He wanted to entertain people and he just, it was amazing. Really, really just amazing. So I do appreciate his music now. So he started asking me to name any songs or anything, but I do. <laughs> but no, it was brilliant. And we're here with Annette Mooney as well. And you were actually here, you got to talk to Paul McCartney after the gig. Yeah, I just asked him if he'd get a picture talk with the management team behind the bar as he was leaving. So we just come straight behind the bar, give us a hug, got us pictures talk, and he was lovely, yeah. You had a little bit of a chat with him, did you? Uh, he just wanted five pounds each for the picture, just having a joke. <laughs> so I just told him he was cheeky, and then that was it then, yeah, it was lovely. Were you surprised by how down-to-earth he yeah. is? Yeah, I was. I didn't think that would have any interaction with Paul on the day, but he was, he was lovely, weren't he? Yeah, he wanted yeah. to get involved, and he just wanted to like, speak to people who were like work here and all that so I say unfortunately I didn't get to speak to him because I had to do the promo shots when it all finished so I didn't get to speak to him I got my picture with James Gordon and that but yeah I didn't get to be you all got to speak to him she's got some evidence there <laughs> in her hand <laughs> I mean even though you didn't get to speak to him you're one of very few people to actually experience a gig with him it's such an intimate gig with him and it went how long did it go on for just about an hour I think it was just over an hour wasn't it all in all but it just seemed it seemed to go over about five minutes but yeah I think it was a good hour that he was here for because I say he just wanted to just sing do you know what I mean and he finished on Hey Jude. Oh, that was emotional, wasn't it? Yeah. Just, I say, I'm not a big fan, but everyone knows that song. And um, it just on the end, in the end, they were getting up on the chairs. And we were just, I was doing a proper big mum dance, but I didn't care. And the people were crying and just get all overwhelmed. That's when you realise what was going on when that song come on. Because obviously it's like one of the most famous songs. And it was just absolutely amazing. Amazing. This is one of Liverpool's most historic pubs it's a very beautiful Victorian pub and it's very famous in its own right but it sounds like this is this is a historic moment out of, out of the whole time it's been open here oh yeah definitely yeah you can't even forget it anyway because as I say the guests are still coming in like the customers and they're still talking about it to this day and it's even it was like what six seven what was it about six months ago five six months ago and people are still talking about it now so and you it only feels like it was yesterday and yeah, it's one of those things that you'll never, ever forget. You, as you said yourself, not many people can say they were being involved in something as intimate as that. Do you know what I mean? So I do feel privileged. I suppose working in has got perks, hasn't it? <laughs> and Gareth McCartney said that he had come to this pub before when he lived in Liverpool. But you were saying to me earlier that, that it's Lennon, who's John Lennon, who's best known for coming here. There's a story downstairs where um, John Lennon apparently said when he became famous, the, most, the biggest downside to being famous was uh, not being able to drink in a Philharmonic anymore. 
which is a, a good story and I think that gets told by quite a few people uh, around the, especially the, the staff uh, talk about that quite a lot and there's a picture of John Lennon downstairs in, the, in one of the rooms yeah customers coming in where's, where's the room that John Lennon used to sit in and so that's why there's like that little picture and then they go in and they just want to sit there and they want to feel part of history and sit in the room that John Lennon sat in We're just down the road from the Liverpool Institute where Paul McCartney yeah, which is now yeah. Lipper, um, but also the art school where John Lennon studied, yeah. so presumably that's when he used to come in here. Yeah, I'm assuming so. So you do get, you get a lot of Beatles fans coming in? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you get big groups and sometimes you get people that don't even want to, they just come in. You feel like you're working in a museum sometimes, people just come in sometimes to take pictures and just want to see the rooms and the way things have occurred and like the way the film was and then Bye, and they just walk off and go, do you know what I mean? And take all the pictures. Sometimes you just pop in, just want it, yeah. Where's the famous room? And then you just take everything in. We should mention for people who aren't from Liverpool and who don't come to this pub regularly, the other thing that you're incredibly famous for, which are the gents' toilets. What can you tell us about them? The gents' toilets, the oldest working toilet in the UK, grade one listed. So it's still all the same marble from when it was first built. We get more ladies in there than men usually, yeah. don't we? Have a day. There's fellas have to wait in the queue while ladies are in there taking pictures. But yeah, we get a lot. We get a lot of guests coming in for the toilets. That we've had them. Can be queues. I was like serving the other day at the bar, and there's like literally just think what's going on. There's literally a queue for people waiting to go in. And as you said, like mainly like it's the women, these like little naughty school girls, like going in, like peeking in, taking the pictures and all that. Do you know what I mean? People paying pilgrimage to the pub, both the, both of the toilets and yeah. for McCartney. You're standing outside the toilet with a bucket, charging entry fee. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Thank you all very much. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoy the podcast and want to help us grow and reach more Beatles fans, make sure you rate, review and subscribe to the Beatles City podcast. Beatles.